Throughout the season of Lent, we have a theme we are following. Our theme for Lent is upward. Part of the idea of our theme came from the fact that when you t- we took a look at the lectionary passages for the season of Lent, we realized that the first five passages all included the word up. So as I read our scripture lesson this morning, I invite you to listen carefully for God's word, but also for the word up this morning as we turn our hearts upward to God. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Let's listen carefully for God's word. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people there selling cattle and sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip out of cords, he drove them out of the temple, both sheep and the cattle. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and he overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house into a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and in three days. I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years. You will raise it up in just three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray for the one who preaches? Because his faults and his sins are many. Let us pray. Holy God, raise us up this morning. May something of what we say and do here, or at least something of what we hear and see here this morning, be not of us, but of you. May it be of your promises in our lives and in this, your world. In your holy name, we ask this. Amen. I like church. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I hope he likes church. Let me tell you a little bit more about what I mean. I mean that I've always been kind of a nerd when it comes to church. I like church architecture. Uh, I have a friend who makes fun of me by saying that half of my Instagram account are pictures of churches. And he's right. I've been known to take tours of cathedrals and check out historical sanctuaries when I am on vacation. That's my idea of a good time. I like to walk in and I gawk at the magnificence and the grandeur of some of these buildings. I'm fascinated by stained glass, steeples, and carillons. I find communion tables and baptismal fonts and pulpits to be beautiful. I also like church music. I appreciate a good choir. I enjoy handbells and the organ. 
I have my favorite hymns. Praise ye the Lord, the Almighty, and immortal, immortal, invisible, God only wise. I have to admit, I also have a few favorite contemporary praise and worship songs as well. I like liturgy. I like creeds. I like old prayers. I like watching my kids get to be the acolyte. I love a good sermon. I also like church history. My office is uh, full of books, not just about theology, but books that tell of the early Christians or the Reformation or the church's resistance in Nazi Germany or the church's role in the civil rights movement. I like energizers. <laughs> I like to play stupid youth group games. I like making crafts at vacation Bible school. I like potluck dinners, especially ones where people bring too many desserts. <laughs> I like Bible studies on the book of Esther and Paul's letter to the Galatians. I like food distributions with volunteers, habitat builds, mission trips. I like church. These things are not for everyone, but since the time I was a kid, church has always sort of been my thing, a big part of my life. And I'm going to guess if you have taken the time to get up and come here on a Sunday morning, or if you're being intentional enough to tune in this Sunday morning, church is probably sort of your thing, at least a little bit as well. But church isn't everyone's thing. I've got this good friend that I've known for many years. Church is definitely not his thing. He knows, though, that church is my thing. And because he is a good friend, uh, he shared this article with me a few years ago. I think in an effort to show an interest in the things that I'm interested in, as a good friend often does. Um, the article was a review of a restaurant that had just opened in his city called Church and Union, and it was in a building of a church that had recently closed its doors. They kept all the stained glass. They turned some of the pews into benches for booths. He said, I was reading this article, and I immediately thought about you, since I know church is your thing, he said. I thought this was pretty cool. And he was right. It was pretty cool. I liked the aesthetics. But it also made me sad. Because church, of course, is not an aesthetic. Uh, it is more and more common to find these old church buildings being repurposed these days. You can find former places of worship that have been turned into houses and apartments, uh, breweries, Boutique hotels, offices, and event venues, concert halls, yoga studios. It's becoming more and more common as church attendance isn't exactly what it used to be. And more and more church buildings are left sitting empty. Often while also sitting on prime real estate. So these conversions make for divine ambiance, or should I say, deconversions is also a somber reminder that nothing stands forever. Not even our proudest sacred spaces. 
So in our scripture story today, Jesus has come to the most proud of sacred spaces, the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, For centuries at this point, the temple has been thought of as the holiest of sites. It's a crossroads between heaven and earth. It's a place of the presence of God. But it had only been in recent years that the temple had started to truly become a site to behold. Uh, Starting around 19 BCE, so that's about 45, 46 years before the story we read today, King Herod the Great began a building project on the temple that would take decades to complete. Uh, Herod's aim was to make the temple as beautiful and as grand as anything you would find in Greece or in Rome or in Egypt. And the people of Judea were proud of their temple. And pilgrims would come from all over the Roman world, not just to worship in the temple, but to look up and gawk at the magnificence of the place. Jesus, though, was not so impressed. When he got to the temple, he saw less of a magnificent house of God and more of a frantic marketplace. People buying and selling things. People making money. So Jesus took it upon himself to start kicking out all of the merchants and the money changers who had set up shop in the temple halls. He'd started flipping over their display tables, sternly showing them all the door. Now, the Jerusalem people were proud of their temple. And they couldn't help but wonder, who does this guy think he is causing a scene in the temple like this? What right does he have to boss people around? They go to Jesus and say, who are you to do all of this? Give us some kind of sign. Something to prove that you're authorized to be doing this. If you want a sign, Jesus responded, tear this building down. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up again in just three days. At this, the crowds are totally confused by what Jesus has said. In fact, they're even a little bit insulted. Wait, you mean to tell me you're going to raise this place of God's presence in just three days? We've been building this temple brick by brick for the last 46 years. How can you say that you are going to raise it up in just three days? But of course they missed it. They missed Jesus's point because Jesus, of course, is not talking about the building. When he spoke of a temple to be raised, the place of God's presence, what he meant was himself. You know, Kirk of Kildare, I haven't been around here very long just yet. Uh, As far as churches go, this isn't the oldest congregation around. There are a number of you here who were a part of the Kirk's organizing when it got started, 
who've been here at this church since the very beginning. That's not something you can say about a lot of Presbyterian churches. My former church was founded in 1889. Did you know the first worship service on this site, in this location, which was then the Kildare Farms Development Center, Visitor Center, was held on February the 5th, 1978. We have been building this temple brick by brick for 46 years. For 46 years, we've been building and expanding. We built this sanctuary. Just last year, we paid off the last of our debt for our wonderful education building. For 46 years, we've been building our membership, welcoming new members into our fold. For 46 years, we've been expanding our mission efforts, hosting a preschool, tutoring and mentoring programs, day camps, food distributions, a community garden. For 46 years, we've had choirs, we've had handbells, Koinonia groups, youth lock-ins where everybody leaves worn out. For 46 years, we've been building a church. And as far as churches go, 46 years isn't that long of a time. And yet in 46 years, you can look around this congregation and gawk at what has been accomplished in just 46 years. In fact, that is part of the reason I felt called to serve this congregation as your pastor. And by the grace of God, we will continue to worship and glorify God here for many, many more years to come. But do you know? Do you realize nothing lasts forever? Church doesn't go on forever. It doesn't matter what we build. It doesn't matter how well we build it. There very well could come a day when all of this is repurposed into prime real estate. So the question for us this morning is this, as we go about faithfully building, do we believe, do we trust that even once all of this is destroyed, there is one who will raise us up again. See, like good modern people, we're all caught up in the currents of an ever-accelerating world, and it's exhausting. We, we tend to believe that the thing in a world like this that's going to sustain us as an institution or stabilize us as a community is constant innovation Constant growth. But I'm here to suggest there has to be something deeper that lies beneath it all. Something deeper to raise us up. 
And that is the constant and continual presence and grace of God. May God raise us up.